Alrighty, welcome back to The Real Heroes of E-Commerce. To start off, I'm going to read some text that's written on this piece of artwork I'm looking at. Less lawn, more planet, rain barrels, community compost bins, clean water canals, native plants, regrown prairies. The title of this piece is Repair Suburbia, and the artist calls it a doodle, but it is actually an amazing piece of artwork that you can see posted up in the show notes. Her name is Becca, and she is a social worker from Chicago. She's a big advocate for sustainable living, which she does her best to practice in her own neighborhood. Me and Becca are going to talk about what she does towards that style of living and what her thoughts are on the state of e-commerce, both as a consumer and as a business owner who sells her art online. She has a practical viewpoint on sustainability, and I am positive that you'll be able to relate. As always, you can read the write-up at heroesofecommerce.substack.com and subscribe there. Okay, let's get to it. Okay, Becca, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. We met through a piece of artwork that you had posted. And it was really cool. It's called Repair Suburbia. Yes. And I think you posted it on the Solarpunk subreddit. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So I I actually really enjoy um, the Solarpunk subreddit of the internet and just sort of the creative aspects and like finding a more optimistic future. Um, and I think what? one of my roles as an artist is to like kind of augment some of these different ideas that people have and put into like a visual um, image. And that's sort of where that repair suburbia came from. Mm -hmm. So what exactly is solar punk? <laughs> well, I don't want to be like the spokesperson for it, but <laughs> uh, my understanding of solar punk is that as an alternative to like dystopians, you know, cyberpunk or this sort of um, world unspooling that we're sort of heading towards, it's a more, what if we built like a community-based future that was in tune with nature? What would a solar panel, you know, economically sound and stable world look like instead? One that's more in tune with the environment, one that's more in tune with each other. Um, and I just really got a lot of like hope and optimism from that. Mm -hmm. um, so that's sort of what my understanding of what solar punk is. That's cool. It's a, it's a good way to have a, a little bit of optimism in the, the world we live in. Um, so yeah, in the Repair Suburbia, it was, about, it was about changing our yards, like our front lawns, back lawns, into cleaner, you know, fresh farm animals and vegetation and everything. Um, and then I think I read something that you posted on your website about your neighbor and taking out a fence and trees. Yes. Yes. So I'm actually really passionate about this. Um, so the modern monocultured lawn that you see today, um, is actually, it traces all the way back to like 1800s France when the aristocracy decided to show how wealthy they were by making their land grow crops that you could not eat, which was that like blue grass. Mm -hmm. It was a way to flaunt your privilege of like, I don't need to like utilize the land so much so that I'm gonna make it ornamental. And it just really took off in America and like through the fifties and it's been gotten embedded into laws through like HOAs. And we reached this point that it's just so normal to have land that is not utilized or cared for that any suburban neighborhood, that's all you're going to see is that like green carpet. 
mm-hmm. which is so terrible for the environment. It is like one of the worst things for the environment through the pesticides, the water waste, the like, there's nothing for pollinators to eat. There's like nothing that takes care of the land. Um, so I moved into my new place and I haven't even been here a whole year since May. And I immediately started ripping up my lawn. I was like, sorry neighbors, but like the hippie has moved in and I started ripping up the lawn and I planted this giant herb garden out front. And I told anybody can use it. Like, you don't have to ask if you need rosemary, come up, take some clippings, give me a wave and go about your day. And they just loved it so much. Um, so our next door neighbors and I had a, we had these like fence posts, these like cement fence posts, and we've actually become friends with them. They're on, they're on the same mindset. And they're like also on this like kind of green journey. Mm-hmm. And so we've ripped up the fence posts and we're going to be planting um, fruit trees this spring that like border our property together. And nice. we're combining our front yards and we're making it like basically a community garden for the neighborhood. And I'm really hoping other people will join us. I think they're still sort of like skeptical, but like this is the future that I want and it has to start somewhere. Somebody has to take that first step. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's sort of like where that's coming from. I do try to practice what I preach a little bit. The illustration that I made was like taking that to like dial that all the way to 10 and like, <laughs> what if the whole block did this? And what if we like, what if, like, what if we just leaned into this and we took care of each other instead of making this these like bricked off properties with tall fences and dead land. Yeah, I never knew that about the French aristocracy planting bluegrass. So essentially what you're saying is bluegrass started with French aristocracy and not like Kentucky banjos. <laughs> yeah, some of that. I So weird tangent. <laughs> I used to work at a landscaping company. So I know like a weird amount of like soil and stone and aggregates and like lawn care. Um, and so it's just kind of funny. Like I'll be driving around and I'll be like, that's an invasive species that we think is normal and da 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 da. And I'll just go <laughs> off on these tangents. Um, I mean, and clearly there's a lot of like lawn blends and you have been sold like, oh, these are, you know, these only need, you know, six hours of sun a day. And oh, these are great for kids and pets. And like, there are advantages to it. Like grass can take a beating. Like I will give you that. But what is the point of having a lawn that you say, keep off the lawn? Uh, good point. Like why grow of a, a plant that you will not eat, that you will not care for, that you can't even touch? Like that is pointless. It's killing the earth. We lawns have got to go. Very interesting. So tell, how did you get into art? Um, I was a social worker um, and it was required that we did a form of self-care so we wouldn't like get burned out or go crazy. And um, I picked art and this was probably, oh my God, it's probably 12 or 13 years ago. Still You're really good at it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, and so like I started making stained glass and I started like just doing art to decompress after a hard shift. And I just really, really loved it. And I'm a professional artist today. I do still work in the social work field for like my day job. Um, but it's been a really nice passion of kind of using like activism and art and like social work to like braid together this like futuristic world I want to see. Interesting. Did you have any, did you do any art when you were younger? Um, a little bit. Yeah. I never took formal classes until after college, actually. Like I never took like even a drawing one or one class. Um, cause I was kind of, I bought that bill of goods that was like, you'll starve if you try and, you know, make art as a living. 
Well, and there's a lot social of social work. <laughs> Still starving, but it's less, there's less taboo, I guess. There we go. <laughs> I get more of the like, oh, good for you. And I'm like, yeah, but if I'm an artist, I'm like, oh, oh, okay. Are you on Etsy? And it's like, yeah, I'm on Etsy. <laughs> That's really funny. Speaking of Etsy, so you do have a little bit of experience doing e-commerce. I do. So I've, I've never used Etsy. I've never bought anything on Etsy. Um, when did you start using that? Um, I think I opened my shop 2018 or 17. I'd have to look. Um, a lot of Etsy, well, I have Etsy and I have kind of a love-hate relationship. Um, they're very, very profit-driven as any company is, but it does come at like, they don't treat their artists great. Um, Mm-hmm. So like I participated in the Etsy strike this April, which did nothing, um, but it is, <laughs> we tried. Um, so when I started Etsy, I didn't really understand how to like get my product to like the top of somebody's feed. Um, I was literally just like throwing stuff at the wall and trying to see like what stuck. So like I, I took a few workshops and classes. I started like modeling my shop after um, other similar artists and seeing like, okay, well, how do they phrase things? And what are the hashtags they use? And like, how do they order it? How do they organize it? Um, and that helped a little bit. Um, but the, the main thing that more or less put me on the map was if I have a post that goes like viral or semi-viral, it sort of like, um, funnels it towards my Etsy shop. And then I'll see like a, like after I posted on solar, on that solar punk website, mm-hmm. I almost sold out of this like D and D dice sticker. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I'm, I'm actually like kind of annoyed. I was like, ah, I wasn't planning on selling out of these, but I have like, I have like <laughs> six of these left and I had ordered like 50 of them. So I'm like, which is great. Um, so yeah, it's definitely like, it's a, it's a little unpredictable sometimes. So where, where do you usually post? Is it like on subreddit or, or your Instagram or what, what drives most of that? So I use a third party. So I'm not having to rewrite the same thing 5,000 times. Um, mm-hmm. I post on, I have a Facebook, uh, an Instagram, a Twitter while Twitter's still around. <laughs> and um, until next week. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't even know what the simulation is doing at this point. I'm just along <laughs> for the ride. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, I will post on Reddit, although Reddit is like, uh, Reddit scares me a little bit because it's, it's more intense. And if you make the wrong person mad, you run a risk of like getting doxxed or hate mail or just like, it's a little more like spooky. So Mm -hmm. I tend to not cross post there unless I'm like really certain I have a solid thing going. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a weird platform. There's like the friendliest groups in the world and then like some really dark stuff. Yes. Yeah. And especially <laughs> if you're like a woman or a feminist or like whatever, like, and you post that they'll, they'll go through your search history and be like, this one time you said da 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 da. And now I'm going to tell your boss that you should be fired. And you're just like, my guy, <laughs> this doesn't happen to me on Instagram. <laughs> like, <laughs> <Right. Camila. laughs> oh, that's fun. So this week we heard that Amazon was going to lay off like 10,000 employees given that sort of trend that we've been seeing and what you've been doing on Etsy, what do you feel about like the state of e-commerce in general? I think 
a lot of e-commerce has approached growth for the sake of growth, which is the same mindset as a cancer cell. Um, I think that this sort of expectation of like quarter after quarter, profit, profit, profit with no consequence is finally reaching ahead. Um, and I think we're going to start to see some things get reorganized um, for better or worse. Like it has been like Amazon is incredibly convenient. Mm -hmm. It's incredibly convenient. It's it's witchcraft. It's anything you want within a matter of hours. Um, but there's a price that we pay for it, not just environmentally, but like socially. And it's disrupted so many other um, industries and so many like small local um, businesses that, you know, it's created this like well, this like gravitational pull where everything funnels towards Etsy. Every, or I'm sorry, um, everything funnels towards Amazon. Mm -hmm. And I would love to see some of that actually get clipped because there's nothing more disheartening than like seeing small local businesses go under because Etsy can underprice them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've, I've, I've kind of noticed a trend towards less buying because a lot of people were practicing retail therapy, you know, during the pandemic, you know, just buying everything they could. And then people that I've talked to on the show over the last six months or so, kind of always have that kind of undercurrent of buy better quality, just not as much. Yes. Yes. And I think quality is one of those things that, again, we've, we've been shifting away from, we've, we have traded the quality uh, electronics and appliances and clothing even that used to last for decades for now, like, Oh, just buy a new one. It's broken. We, we don't even have the right to repair some of our um, appliances and electronics. So like it breaks, throw it away, get a new one. Mm -hmm. um, who cares if it lands up in a landfill? Who cares if it creates these other vacuums? Um, so yeah, like quality, I think it's becoming more important to people, especially after the pandemic, realizing like my stuff is like cheap and broken and I want something that's going to be a little more sustainable and last. Mm -hmm. um, even the materials that I print my stuff on, like I print my stickers on like the most expensive, high quality, like they're scratch proof, they're waterproof, they're, they're like really high quality. And I would rather do that than like these little cheap ones that I could just like push out. Mm -hmm. And like, it's more important to me that it's like quality is really important to me. Sustainability is important to me. Longevity is important to me. Um, I don't know if that's true for like every business owner or consumer, but that's something that I have found has gotten far more important over the years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's shifting that way. So um, Christmas is almost here. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, how are you going to shop? Tell me about your shopping list that you got going. Um, so like from a bit, from like a business perspective or a consumer perspective, consumer from a consumer. Okay. Um, I mean, I do sort of like the typical, like, ask um friends and family like what they want i don't actually celebrate christmas um like we're jewish so we're like like you know but everybody else celebrates the holiday so you kind of do like you do get sort of sucked into like secret santa at work and like these kind of things um so uh, again i try i actually try really hard to avoid amazon so i try and get ahead of like okay can i find something on etsy can i find something local 
and you know, mom wants new gloves. Like, okay, I'm going to look everywhere except Amazon to get her the new gloves. Cause it would be so easy to send it. And if you forget something last minute, then you can turn to the internet and be like, all right, do the dark magic and like <laughs> wizard it there overnight. Like, yeah, of course I remembered you and auntie, like, of course. <laughs> Aunt auntie. Aunt auntie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So do you, do you shop on like direct to consumer websites, just like individual brand websites, or do you kind of stick to marketplaces? I try to do the individual, um, the former for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm probably an outlier. I feel like everybody else just goes straight to like the big marketplaces. Um, but also as an artist, like I'm in a lot of like art shows and art fairs and things like that. So it's, it's easier for me to connect one-on-one with other artists and other artisans and be like, Hey, I love your pottery. My mom would love that. Like let's do an art swap or like, let's like, let's do a sale now and I'll ship it later. Mm -hmm. Um, so like I'm plugged in a little bit differently. Um, and it's more important that I like, I feed my money back into my community instead of just funneling it towards, you know, these big consumers and like these big department stores. Mm-hmm. What was the, can you remember the last, I guess, independent website that you had purchased from? Oh, uh, that's a great question. The last independent, what did I order? I think I had ordered, um, Oh my gosh. Now I can't remember. <laughs> now that I asked. Well, I'm trying to think like what I ordered. I know I got some art supplies, but I can't remember like where I ordered it from. Like mm-hmm. I got these brushes from like Craftimo, I think, or something. I mean, they're, they're not like artesian. They're not like super small. Um, yeah. That's a really good question. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm paying more attention. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you feel about like all the marketing that you get, you know, this time of year? You've got all the emails and ads going for everybody. What do you tune it out? Do you pay attention to it? Do you look for the deals? Um, I mean, it's, I think it's irritating how early it starts. It seems like the Black Friday sort of like squeeze t- tends to happen earlier and earlier. I also used to work retail. So I used to just hate having to work on Black Friday and people would just turn feral and um I was just like oh we've got to get away from this I don't even know how this started but it's like it gets worse every year um so I purposely avoid Black Friday shopping um I scold my friends for participating who they just go okay Becca like (laughs) (laughs) um but like I do sometimes if there are like really good deals that are like hey we're having 70% off you know whatever at Michael's I might be like okay like let me just slip in here Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I am susceptible to like marketing. Everybody is like, I definitely, the ads that I get in my Instagram feed, I'm like, that is so tailored towards me. Like Mm -hmm. they know what they're doing for better or worse. Um, I can't pretend that I'm immune to like clicking on the shinies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I've noticed that uh, Instagram really does a good job of curating advertising. That's going to get you, I guess. (laughs) Yes. Yes. They're like, do you want a blanket shaped like a plant leaf? And I'm like, ah, oh, I do want that. Ah, <laughs> oh. how did you know? Right. <laughs> the worst. I hate this. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. So what's on your Christmas list for this year? Um, 
compost bins. Um, it's more like rain barrels. It's more of the like sustainable homesteading kind of stuff. Um, Cause if you've only been there for half a year since May, mm-hmm. you haven't even gotten the first of the season part. Correct. To like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So a lot of us, I'm still figuring out like, where does the sun even land in my yard year round? Like where does, how does this even work? How do I winterize things? I've been a city girl forever. So I'm like, Oh, land. It's so much more work than I expected. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, a lot of the stuff I want is like gardening related and, you know, things like that. Books, people always give me books, art stuff. Cool. Uh, let's go off the rails here for a minute and talk about whatever you want to talk about. <laughs> um, I mean, I just have been, I don't, I mean, I've, I know I'm not alone, but like this whole climate crisis is like just this looming. I used to really kind of be dismissive of it because it's just so intangible and far away. And like, that's the government's problem. That's other people's problems. Um, but like the the creek that used to run through my grandfather's house has completely dried up. Um, like we're seeing, you know, we're seeing it happen in real time. And I feel desperate to try to stop it um and I do that by like annoying people (laughs) (laughs) and like I've been annoying my work into like my workplace currently um they use styrofoam plates I I work at a residential facility um with teenage girls and uh or teenage youth and um we serve three meals a day which is great but they serve it on styrofoam plates and I have been like banging my head against the wall to be like, please, please, please. It is the worst thing for the environment. Can we switch to paper plates? Can we switch to like regular ceramic plates? Can we like just change how we do things? Um, and so it's been, yeah. Would that be more expensive to change to those? Yes. Okay. It is. And, and I think that's one of the things is like, we only see the dollar as the bottom line and that's how we've been operating for decades. I mean, since the 1900s, it's always been about, can we cut costs? Can we, you know, give the consumer a better deal than our competitors, but you pay one way or another. And we're paying now with our health, we're paying with our, the loss of biodiversity. And so yes, you can have a a styrofoam plate for like four cents or a paper plate for 11 cents. And I get that that's like more expensive, Mm -hmm. but you can grow more trees. You can't, you can't ever break this down and it's going to live in your oceans forever. And it's going to turn into microplastics that you will ingest and your grandchildren will invest and their grandchildren will ingest. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's been like not a hard sell, but I think people are just now starting to realize like, Oh, these are connected. Like what we eat and how we move and what we buy, it's all connected. Um, Mm -hmm. It's, we're not just making individual decisions you know, I will choose to buy something that doesn't have plastic and cellophane wrapped around it. I will spend more money on something that comes in paper. Mm-hmm. That's good. There was um, a company that my wife was looking at. This was last year, I guess. It was a compostable shipping bag. Mm. And when you looked into it, it actually was only compostable under like the right circumstances and a certain thing and like if you don't know those details it ended up just being the same as any other packaging 
Yeah. I think that education around those kind of things is what's lacking the most. Is because when we first looked at it, it was like, oh, this is really cool. You yeah. Know, it's compostable. But I she did some digging because she she digs a lot deeper than I do. And it was like, oh, that's not exactly what it <laughs> bills itself as. There's there's even a term for that. It's called greenwashing, where oh, it's yeah. Com- yeah, it's where companies will be like, look, we're doing this environmental thing. And you're like, yeah. And you're like, wait. And you look closer and you're like, oh, this is still hot garbage. Like, yeah. And the newsletter I sent out yesterday, <laughs> greenwashing is the actual whole theme of it. <laughs> oh, send it to me. I'd love to read it. <laughs> yeah. There was, um, well, it was about um, manipulation and ads. And there was this one ad that said it was Windex. And they had a, it was a bottle that said like 100% recycled ocean plastic bottles. <clears throat> And I guess they were fine for it because they weren't recovering ocean plastics. They were buying plastics from somewhere in the Caribbean um, that were that would it would have ended up in the ocean had they not bought them. And so they call this ocean plastic, and it was, it was a greenwashing mess. And I feel like that's also why people get so discouraged because like you can try to do the right thing and you can like want to be Mm -hmm. mindful and the companies are still at the end of the day, like all they care about is the dollar and all they care about is like, can we get you? And I don't care what the ethical cost is for that. Um, Yeah. And that was the problem I had with it. it wasn't so much that they use recycled plastics from a different place than the ocean plastics, but that they can charge higher for it. And then you're going to pay for it for your good feels. Yes. And, and that's the real sin right there. Yes, absolutely. It, it's one of those just like they get you coming and going. Um, mm-hmm. Recycling, too, is one of those things, which is funny because at, at work they were like, well, are you going to try to start a recycling program? And I was like, no, because Chicago, here's the thing. Chicago for years had a recycling. And I was I'm rinsing out my mayo jar and I am being a good citizen and I am, I am recycling. (laughs) And it turns out the city of Chicago and I love my city and I will defend my city, but they were not actually recycling. It was going to like some contractor's brother-in-law or whatever, who was literally just like collecting the recycling and taking it to the dump. So for years we didn't actually have a real recycling program. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and less than 10%, I think it's 9% of plastics actually get recycled Anyways, it's a feel-good story that was sold to consumers use plastic because it's recyclable. And that's a lie. It's actually not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the thing that we've been, that's the feel-good thing that like, well, at least it's recyclable. And it's putting the burden on the consumer instead of the companies where it belongs. If you're going to make plastic bottles, your factory needs to also be a recycling center. Like, why is that not a bill that's been introduced? Like if you put your money where your mouth is, if you're going to be making plastic bottles, the back half of that factory, make it a recycle factory. Take your, take your stuff back. Mm-hmm. Cause instead it's winding up in my backyard, in my landfills, in my ocean, in my blood. That's not fair. That ain't right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a, a funny meme that I saw. It said um, something like, just remember a water bottle or a, what was it? A bottled water company doesn't sell water. They sell yeah. plastic bottles. Yes. Yeah. And I always thought that, that was like the first time it kind of hit me. It was like, oh, the packaging is the, is the issue. 
It is. It is. And, and there's a lot of like, if you look at like water rights and you look at like native tribes in America have been fighting for clean water and access to water, the, the people that they're taking on are like Nestle. They're the big, they're, it's big oil and big plastic. Part of the reason why we have so many plastics, it's a direct byproduct of oils. That's why it's so hard to get away from the fossil fuel industry. It's like these two beautiful evils that serve all of our consumer needs. Like, how do we break away from that? I don't think there's a, there's not a switch you can flip overnight to do it, but it explains some of like why it's so prevalent. <laughs> Edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Awesome. Well, that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, anything else you want to add? Um, no, I mean, I think, I think I'm excited. I'm, I'm still hopeful for the future because I think people are, I think consumers especially are doing like what your wife did. Like they're digging deeper and like, they're trying to find ways that we can like shift our demand away from these, like throw away single use plastics and disposable culture to like sustainability and community and more, um, like, you know, I don't want to use like terms like organic and those because those have weight and connotation too that's gotten twisted and marketed and repackaged and formatted but there is something about going back to our roots that I think is going to be the new trends going forward um and I'm I'm looking forward to it I would love to see sustainable packaging I would love to see mushroom byproducts instead of styrofoam for packaging like there are companies that are trying these new innovative ways and I think the public will be very much behind them, myself included. So excited. As a parting thought um, for all of those, you know, smaller and medium-sized brands out there, um, what advice would you give them to reach consumers like you? <clears throat> I would say if you have a product that I want and you put somewhere in your marketing that the packaging doesn't have any plastic, not recyclable plastic, not reused, pla no plastic. I'm going to be more likely to buy it. I'm going to be more likely to invest in it um, than the way that things have currently been going. So plastic free is very important to me as a consumer. And I think as a, as a business owner, that's something that I have gotten away from. And I've seen it reflected in like my comments and my ratings. People really like like, oh, it came in biodegradable paper instead of the usual plastic sleeves. Um, so I think that that's been something people are wanting and looking for, even if they don't know it and to lean into that. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. Yes. Thank you for letting me get up on my soapbox and talk about like my favorite things ever, like art. <laughs> <and porn. laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for coming on. All right. Thank you, Jason. Thanks again to Becca for joining us. Be sure to check out her artwork. There is a link in the show notes at heroesofecommerce.substack.com. And be sure to subscribe, and we'll see you next week. Cheers.